It's time for Dodger Okay, hello and welcome to Dodging Sleep, the brand new podcast for Dodgers fans in the UK or really anybody else who cares to listen. We aren't fussy at all. If you like what you hear or if you don't, but you're in a charitable mood, please remember to click subscribe afterwards, uh, maybe even leave a review for us if you like. Um, so here's what to expect to us. Uh, here's what to expect from us. I'll put my teeth in. Um, so we're just five LA Dodgers fans trying to follow the team from the wrong side of the Atlantic. Uh, we have regular battles with the seven-hour time difference and the inevitable tiredness in work the next day that follows. The ups and downs that come with that, uh, and frankly, we don't have enough people in our lives already that we can share our thoughts with. So we thought we we're going to try talking blindly at the internet to see if anyone is interested in anything that we have to say. Um, first things first, I want to introduce uh, everybody. Um, so I guess we'll go with seniority, and that brings us to uh, Ian. Now, Ian, your name is Ian, and my name is Ian. So that brings us to the first problem that we're going to try and solve in the podcast. Uh, so, as mentioned, you have seniority, so I, I'm going to suggest that uh, you maintain the status as the senior Ian, um, and I'll defer to the name that many people in baseball in the UK know me as already, and I'll go by Bleasy. Um, is, that, is, that, is that okay with you, Ian? By, by seniority, you mean I'm the old the old fart in the group. I, I, I suppose so. As Ian is better than old Ian or old guy or wake up Ian if you've fallen asleep again. So yeah, I'm 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 happy with that. That's right. I mean, I've missed a trick on calling myself young Ian though. Uh, yeah, that would have been nice at 39. But yeah. <laughs> uh, so okay. Uh, so for you, Ian, um, if you'd like to uh, tell, um, if you want to tell us a, l- a little bit about basically where you are and how long you've been following the Dodgers. Okay, so I'm, I live in Taunton, which is in southwest of England. Um, I've been following the Dodgers for, must be about 10 years or so now, which probably puts me at the, at the lower end of the, of the sort of following for everybody on the podcast. But um, I've been into American sports in one way or another since the early 80s and, and admittedly came to baseball a little bit later than some of the other sports. But... Um, wholeheartedly into the uh into the dodger blue and no sleep and all that kind of stuff great stuff great stuff so i guess if we stay with the theme of seniority um it's possibly leon uh, possibly leon next um so we'll hand over to hand, hand, so we'll head over to leon all right yeah uh, leon from birmingham second biggest city in the uk um got into the dodgers in uh, about 2015 um and yeah, first year was was watching them blow uh, the game against the Mets by not covering third base. Um, started a, a run of playoff pain, really, uh, that we uh, thankfully ended last year. Oh yeah, we'll definitely come back to that at some point. I'm sure we will. Um, we'll move away from seniority now and move to the baby of the group, um, although the, also the guy with the longest beard, and that is uh, that, and that's Adam. So uh, Adam, if uh, if you want to say a little bit about a little bit about yourself and and uh, and how you came to love the Dodgers. Yeah, sure. I'm um, Adam from Derby. I'm from the East Midlands, not the West, the better part of the Midlands. Uh, I got into the Dodgers what, about eight years ago. It was about Puig's rookie season. No, Puig's rookie season, that's when I got into him. Uh, fell in love with him and then fell in love with Kershaw. And there's not really a lot else 
about. Okay, excellent. So that, that, that brings it back to me. So as mentioned, I'm Bleasy. I'm currently in Manchester. Um, I'm one of the newer fans in this group. I started following the Dodgers a similar time to Adam um, in the fact, I think it was around 2013. Um, and I didn't think at the time I'd have to wait as long as we did uh, to bring a championship uh, to bring a championship to to LA, uh, so I can't imagine how the guys who've been following the team longer uh, felt. So, um, so yeah, there we go. Uh, now I've got the introductions out of the way. I want to uh, bring us on to what we're going to be talking about for the rest of the show. So the first thing we're going to be talking about uh, is the the moves that were made in the off season um, by the Dodgers and perhaps some of the teams that might affect our chances of a repeat this year. Then we'll move on to spring training. Um, what have we seen that we like? Perhaps there might be a few more things that we don't like uh, going off uh, going off the last week. Um, then we're all going to pick a player um, that we can't wait to see in action this year. Uh, maybe we think they're going to be in, chance of, uh, in with a chance of winning a Cy Young or an MVP. Uh, maybe we just love the energy that they give off when they take to the field. Uh, there are no wrong answers to that one, but the only rule is we have to all pick different players. Uh, and maybe we'll we'll revisit these players throughout the course of the season on future podcasts and track how they're getting on. Uh, after that, we'll head over to Leon, who's going to tell us a little bit more about how he uh, came to uh, came to know and love the Dodgers and his experiences, uh, perhaps his fav- some of his favourite moments uh, of, of following the guys so far. Uh, and then, of course, we're going to finish on a high and talk about last year's postseason. The year when finally, after 32 years, the Dodgers were crowned World Series champions once again. Why wouldn't we? That is definitely the part of the show that I'm looking forward to the most. So there we have it. Uh, <clears throat> so the first thing we're going to talk about is the off-season moves. We really could start anywhere, but um, I think last off-season, not the one just gone, the one before, the front office pulled off a, a, a major shock, a bit of a coup, in bringing in Mookie Betts. Um, who, of course, they went on to ex- to extend, and I know we're all incredibly happy that he's going to be rocking our colours for another 12 years after after last year. So we couldn't expect a move of that magnitude again, could we? The front office couldn't couldn't do it. The line, lightning couldn't strike twice. But I think it's fair to say that they had a go, and they've brought in arguably the most sought-after free agent on the market this year in the 2020 NL Cy Young winner, uh, Trevor Bauer. Um, he wasn't as expensive as the overall Mets deal, but he is going to be earning the most uh, per season of any player in MLB history. Um, definitely this year and probably next year as well. So I guess we'll go to, let's, let's, let's pick on, uh, we'll stay with seniority and we'll go to Ian. So the Trevor Bauer acquisition, what do you think? Um... I, I, going into the sort of off season, and you know, everybody gets excited about who we're going to sign, who we're going to lose, all that kind of stuff. Uh, and I know there was a lot of talk about it. I wasn't sort of jumping up and down, going, "Yeah, we've got to get him, we've got to get him." Um, but I'm glad we have. Um, I think, I think a full season, given some of our um, some of our recent over the last few years, recent. Um, injury problems with some of the pitchers. Um, I think doing the full season this year, um, I think having depth there certainly helps. Um, I think he's going to be an interesting personality. Um, whether he can stay off social media and, and all the rest of it, I don't know. But um, look, he's clearly a quality player. I think anytime you add quality 
you know, you can't, I think one of the, one of the flaws that teams in all sorts of sports often fall into when they've won whatever their championship is, is, is they sort of sit tight because they won it with one group of people and they don't try and strengthen it. And I think that's a mistake some teams make. So I think to bring in flesh blood and try and go again was, was essential. So, um, uh, I mean, maybe we won't talk too much about the game yesterday. This was when he was pulled right at the start. Um, but yeah, as I say, I think strengthening strengthening any any team, any off season is is, is a must. So yeah, we'll we'll see what happens. Yeah, I mean, I think what I would say is although he was pulled in the first inning because it's spring training and they're playing with all these silly rules, which we're going to come back to later. Um, uh, he came back in um, for the second, third, fourth, uh, and I think possibly some of the fifth inning. Uh, and he actually, he was scoreless for for most of that, um, and then it started to go a little bit wrong towards the end. Um, but yeah, anyone, anyone, anyone got any differing views on 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 Trevor Bauer, or or, or want to support the same views? I mean, I'm, I was pleased that they did make a move. Obviously, I think a lot of it's probably in response to what the Padres have done in the off season, which they, I mean, they made some big moves in terms of you know Snell and um, and Darvish. So those are big signings, really, and, and it is a clear attempt to obviously try and take the division from the Dodgers. Um, so getting you know a Cy Young winner from the previous season is you know is the way forward for the Dodgers in terms of uh, Bauer's character. I'm not a massive fan of it. Uh, I don't think that there are too many who are. Um, but it'd be interesting to, you know, Mom, Sam, if he behaves himself, he's, he's going to, he will hopefully be an asset to the team. Um, and he just touched on yesterday's start. I think there's a couple of times in spring training where he's messed about a little bit. I think there was an element of that yesterday where it's his old team and he wants to play around a little bit with, with guys that he knows. Um, but then when he came back and he had settled down a lot and he looked he looked pretty good. Um, as I say, it's just, we just want to take away almost the comedy element that, that Bo is trying to bring to things with baseball. Um, in terms of what he's doing with his, his YouTube channel, he's you know trying very hard to market himself. I do like aspects of that. But as long as it doesn't sort of interfere with his, his, his day-to-day performance with the Dodgers, you know, I'll, I'll be happy. Um, he has tried to tone down his character a little bit. Um, as well and he's under a very much more intense spotlight now with the Dodgers um, everyone's going to be watching his, you know, his every move really um, so yeah as I say I'm happy that we're strengthening the rotation uh, a very strong rotation as it stands anyway um, yeah it, it, it can only be a good thing if, if as I say if he behaves himself really yeah I think the, the depth of the rotation as well as the strength it's just insane we could, we could almost have we could almost have two or three of our first four uh, pitchers uh, starting pitchers injured and still have a rotation of four pitchers that um, is equal or better than most other most others in the league. Uh, and that's just a, a phenomenal situation uh, for us to be in. Um, Adam, I'm going to ask you now about the next big deal uh, of the uh, 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 of the offseason. Um, and it was a familiar face re-signing. Uh, perhaps a man who inspires uh, inspires your beard. I don't know. He might not. Um, but it's this re-signing Justin Turner, the clubhouse leader. Um, you know, uh, captain. We we hear him talk. I think there's there's Justin Turner Day in LA now every year. Um, you know, he. How much of a big deal was it for us to uh, for us to re-sign Justin Turner? It was a, it was a massive uh, deal. Um, I mean, he's he's the heart of the club. Well, apart from Kirsch, he's pretty much the heart of the. The, the clubhouse, isn't he? So it's important to have that leader in in the dressing in the changing room, and it's great. He was the one signing I wanted all summer. He, I mean, I think if you go back on my Twitter, I was pestering for it nearly every day. 
I did make a bold claim that I was going to go over there and buy all the merchandise when he re-signed. So um, I've got to save up for that now. But yeah, he it's it's massive. It's his bat in the lineup is 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 great every day because he just draws out those those at bats, which is is great. Yeah, Ian, he's looking a little um, a little more trim this year, and I don't think it's just down to a shorter beard and shorter hair. Um, you know, he, he seems to have cut a little bit of weight. I, I'm assuming that's a kind of uh, effort to uh, to stave off the aging process. Um, and uh, you know, do you think that's going to affect his numbers in any way? Is he going to? Are we, we going to see a bit of a, a a bit of a drop in power? Do you think? No, I think I think I think he'll have another I think he'll have another good year, and 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 I would only echo. Everything that Adam said, you know, I think it's a it's a very important signing. I think I think when you lose people like Fadugo and Kiki over the last you know, couple of years in terms of their personality, you know, a different kind of personality. We've already talked about Bauer's personality, um, but that kind of positive vibe, as you say, the leadership role, the 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 the, the person who's going to get everybody going, not just through their game, but get everybody going when they're in the dugout. I think it's important to have a few people like that in each team. And I think, I think re-signing him. Um, yeah. I'm a huge fan of that. Excellent. Okay. So that's going to bring us on now to probably the area that's been criticized uh, the most of the Dodgers in recent years, and that's our bullpen. So uh, a few moves made, they've brought back in uh, Blake Trinan. Um, I'm going to say Trinan. Trinan. What, we, what we're going with. Uh, I thought it was Trinan, but Trinan. I, I don't know. Going with Trinan <laughs> <laughs> uh, on a uh, on a seventeen point five million uh, uh, two year deal. Uh, we've rolled the dice on offering Brandon Morrow a return on a minor league deal. Um, plenty of upside to to that deal if he if he can find anything like uh, what he what he used to have when he was with us first time around. Um, another player whose surname is hard to pronounce in Corey Knable uh, from the Brewers, um, Garrett Clevenger from the Phillies and a free agent who won't play this year because, uh, because uh, he's, he's out injured in, in Tommy Carmler. These are all names that are, are tough to say. Uh, but at the same time, they did let um, Jake McGee, Alex Wood um, and Pedro Baez leave. So Leon, do you think the, uh, do you think the Dodgers have done enough to significantly improve this supposed problem area? Uh, I do. Um, I mean, this can able for me is a great signing. Bringing back Trinan was always positive as well. Um, I think one we we probably overlooked as well is, is Jimmy Nelson's return. Um, he, he looked really good in spring as well. Um, you know, he obviously missed the whole of last year with his injuries, um, but he's yeah he's, he's real positive, and I think he has. He's, he by the looks of it, he will make the opening day roster. Um, plus, you know, we're going to add to that as well with the uh, the, the starting pitching um, issue. Um, so you know that that fifth rotation spot between Gonsolin, May, and uh, and David Price again, someone else that we haven't seen last year. Uh, and, and two of them are probably going to be, you know, performing out of the bullpen. So the bullpen is, is bloody strong at the moment. Um, Bruce Starr's on, you know, he's on the IL. We've got Joe Kelly to come back. He hasn't really impressed, but, you know, he's given us some memorable moments, such as, you know, trying to take off Correa's head and the, uh, the lip wobble. <laughs> um, that was probably, you know, the best thing that Joe Kelly's done for us. He's given us memes. Um, but, yeah, I mean... <laughs> and, and, and T-shirts. And, and T-shirts. t-shirts. Yeah, exactly. There we go. Yeah, fantastic. Um yeah, I mean, I, I think the bullpen could be a real strength this year. Um, you got Victor Gonzalez as well. It'd be interesting to see how he performs on the, across the full season. Yeah, really, really looking forward to seeing what the bullpen can do. Yeah, I mean, I think there's nobody in that bullpen who's come in for more criticism in recent years than than Kenley Johnson. Uh, now, I, I, as you guys know, I've always stuck up for him where I can. 
um, because I just don't think he's been as bad as uh, as he's been as he's been been made out. I think even last year um, he he had the uh, lowest hard hit ball rate of of any pitcher in MLB, or and it just so happened that a lot of them dropped in. Um, but that is a problem area, and it's something that plenty of fans were hoping to see addressed. We did make bullpen moves, but we didn't chase uh, any of the free agent closers that were available. Um, so. Uh, Ian, were you surprised that they didn't go after maybe Liam Hendricks or Brad Hand? I think uh, Mark Melanson and Trevor Rosenthal were also available. Um, do you think that any of those names might have made a difference? Yeah, possibly. I think Brad Hand was certainly on Twitter. There was a there was a while, and it seemed to be hotting up that his name was very much in the fray, and there was a lot of lot of rumours about him. Um, I guess. I guess it's the other thing, isn't it? If if you've got a decent starting rotation and you've strengthened the rest of the bullpen, then then maybe the closer in closing role is that bit less important. Um, I, I guess it'd be interesting to see whether they try a couple of other people in in, in closing roles. Um, but yeah, I mean, they've shown a lot of a lot of loyalty to Kenley, haven't they, over the last couple of years, and indeed to the team in general. I think that seems to be part of the ethos of the of the way management look at it at the moment. They tend to keep keep giving people more and more of a chance and not just cutting them quickly um, which I think is a good thing so um look we'll we'll be i don't know a month into the season and twitter will be on fire with either you know he'll he'll blow one save and it'll all kick off again and we'll we'll go through that but but i think for now um yeah i, I well you look at the whole rotation and the whole team as a whole you know you can't just single out one player if they if they don't do well it's not going to be down to him and i think i think on balance yeah i think i, I think i think he'll be fine okay uh, excellent so i'm going to move on now to off season moves made by um other teams one other team in particular which leon's already mentioned uh, and that's our noisy neighbors um uh, the divisional rivals the san diego padres so on the deadline last year, they'd already brought in uh, or added a bona fide ace in Mike Clevenger, but they've since turbo-booted that rotation further uh, with the additions of uh, one-time Dodger Hugh Darvish, Dodger killer Blake Snell, and someone who might be the best number four starter in all of baseball in Joe Musgrove. Um, they already had Danielson Lumet and Chris Paddock, um, and they've got Mackenzie Gore waiting in the wings for a chance in the rotation. Away from pitching, they've extended their own phenom, Fernando Tatis Jr., for 14 years. Uh, and they've brought in uh, Korean sensation Ha Seong Kim, uh, as well as re-signing Jurickson Profar for the next three years uh, in the outfield. Now, it's no secret that the Padres have got quite a ladder to climb if they do want to end the Dodgers' run of eight consecutive NL West titles. Um, to give you an idea of what that ladder is, in 2017, at the end of the season, they finished 40 games behind the Dodgers. In 2018, that was 25 games back. In, in 2019, that went back up to 36. Now, it was only six last year, uh, which sounds like they've made strides. But actually, if you prorate it, and I know it's not that simple on a small sample size, uh, that, that gap does actually go back up again to, the, to around the 16-game mark. Um, so, uh, Adam, I guess we'll start with you. Um, do you think the Padres have done done enough to make themselves a genuine contender in 2021? They have, yes. I think they are a genuine contender. Whether they can last the whole season, I don't know. Um, I think if they get a couple of injuries, I think they might, they will fall short. I think I don't think they've quite got the backup that we've got. 
Um, I mean, I'm excited to watch him. I think it's going to be great this season, but uh, I just don't think they've quite got enough to overthrow us yet. It's the close, but they're not quite there. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it only takes us to go on a bit of a, go on a bit of a slide. I mean, uh, was it two years ago, three years ago, where we ended up in a one-game playoff with the Rockies for the divisional title? Uh, so, um, so you know, stranger things, stranger things have happened. Um, Leon. Uh, what do you what do you think? How far do you how far can the Padres go? Um, I think as Adam says, really, they've, they've they've got a hell of a lot of strength now, strength in depth uh, as well, sort of across numerous positions. I, I still don't think they're quite as strong as us. Um, you've got the experiencing to look at as well. I know they've got you know Machado who has World Series experience with us. Um, you know Snell's been there as well. Darvish has been there. Um, one of the things that would probably be a concern for them is is the inexperience of the manager in the postseason. Um, I think going back to the last postseason, the way the Dodgers swept them was a big statement for me because um, they came into that making all the noise, obviously, that you'd in the parades in the street uh, that they'd had after, uh, obviously, not the team, but the fans got to be a little bit excited. And to go in there and sweep them quite convincingly as well, uh, for the most part, was was a huge statement for the Dodgers. Um, they're going to be good. There's no doubt about it. Um, as I said, I don't think they've quite got enough to catch us this year. Um, next year might be different, but you know we'll come to that. We'll cross that bridge when we get to it. Okay, excellent. Ian, have you got anything to add on the Padres? I, I, I think I think it will. I think it'd be injuries. I think they're um, and, and and depth, as in, I think they're close enough that we, if we end up with a really bad run of injuries, I know we've got depth, but I think if we if we have a really bad run and they can stay reasonably healthy and if you like all the planets align for them then I think they're good enough now that it could get very very close but I think they need a few things like that going in their favour I, I think if it's if both sets of squads if both but both teams can stay completely fit for the whole season which I know never happens but let's just hypothesise for a minute if everybody stays fit I don't think they'll get close enough Okay, excellent so um, the next thing we're going to talk about um probably quite briefly, although it can go on as long as we want, I suppose, uh, is spring training so far. So, um, Leon, spring training, is it just spring training? Or is, can we read more into it than that? Uh, it is just spring training, but when you see the sort of the numbers that our starters have put up the last week, it becomes a, a little bit of a worry. Um, obviously, there's a lot of different views when you look at the, uh, the Dodgers Twitter. There's a lot of people saying they're just tuning up. Um, Bauer, obviously, when he gave up those three runs against, um, or three home runs against the Mariners, he was he said, "I was just just getting my pitch count up." Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I'm, I'm generally pessimistic as a sports fan. Obviously, I think it was an incident um, during the, the CS where we both said we're not watching this game because we're, you know, bad luck. And then they happened to score eleven runs in the first inning against the Braves. Um, so to lose in the games that we've lost and in the manner that we've lost in the last week makes me a little bit nervous, especially going into cause as well. Um, because yeah, things happen there. Um, but you know, you know, generally, when if Kershaw has a bad start or two, he'll bounce back. Um, Sammy Bueller as well. So yeah, it is just spring training. But you know, we, we're getting down to business now. As, as long as we get better in the next week and we perform a little better in the freeway series, I think we'll be fine. Okay. Um, Adam or Ian, I suppose, really. I don't really mind who answers this one. There's been a few experimental rules um, thrown around this spring training. Not sure how much either of you have been able to, to take in and all that kind of stuff. But um, one of the things that I think has just kind of made the results 
even less relevant than they used to be is this uh, what they were doing for the first three quarters where they uh, if a pitcher had thrown 20 pitches they just wiped the inning even if the bases were loaded and there were no outs um, what, what do you guys think the rule changes have, have, uh, have done you know are they positive in the fact that the pitcher still gets to get the workout that, that he needs um, or are they negative because they make it the mockery of the game or somewhere in between I think it's somewhere in between, really, because I mean, I understand why they're there, but it just makes it watching it a bit rubbish, doesn't it? It's because it's not a real baseball game. But then it's spring training; it doesn't really mean anything anyway, does it? It's you're pitching to get your pit, pitch count up, you're hitting to get your eye in. It's, it's as simple as that, really. So I sort of understand it, but it's not great to watch, is it? It's, yeah, I mean, one one thing I do like about spring training this year, probably more than any other year, from what I remember, is the is the start time of the games. There's been so many games on at seven pm, eight pm UK time, and for us, uh, for, for for us, a group of sleep deprived sleep deprived uh, uh, men who who do our best from from the wrong side of the Atlantic, um, that's that's been great. Ian, have you enjoyed watching watching games uh, at a reasonable time with a you know over your over your evening meal? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I like I like baseball. Period. So as soon as the, as soon as the season starts, so I, I I I'm quite happily when the season's on properly. You know, if there's an East Coast game on, sort of early evening in the UK, quite happily have that on. Um, you know, my my kids like sport. My wife's a big sports fan. We can quite happily have it on from you know half five, six in the evening, right through till whoever's last going to bed, sort of thing. So just having it on, I th- I find it. Um, I think the games are, are are long enough. You know, you can get interested, but not so long that you get bored. You can, I can quite find easily dip in and out of, of games, even if the Dodgers aren't playing, and just just sort of chilling through the evening and watching them. You know, especially once it gets a bit warmer over here. So, um, just having baseball back and being able to watch it is great. Having a few early starts for the Dodgers just makes it even better. Yeah, that's it. I think uh, one of the unexpected benefits that I enjoyed this year is, I don't know if any of you guys have ever heard of or played the uh, the, the, the computer game um, uh, out of, was it out of the, out of the park? OOTP baseball. Um, and it's, it's, for those of you not familiar with it, it's kind of the baseball equivalent to football manager or championship manager to those of us who've been playing it for a long time. Um, and um it's it's like championship manager or football manager, except it is on steroids in terms of the stats and the and the amount of effort you've got to put into it. I mean, it's 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 insane. Um, but what you've got is you've got your layers and layers and layers of the ball club. Um, so some of the guys uh, when I played the game, I've obviously been the Dodgers. Uh, sometimes I've cheated, which is where you go into commissioner mode and give yourself an unlimited budget, um, or you can force trades through. <laughs> so, um, but. Um, but you end up with uh, rookies coming through uh, after two or three years, um, who end up really, who end up end up being superstars, the likes of uh, you know Seager and Bellinger and that are now. Um, and it's been quite nice to see some of those guys running the bases. Um, but I think for the most part, I've sort of enjoyed the first three to five innings, uh, and then the, the B and C team have come in, and I've kind of lost a, a little bit of interest. Um, but you know, it's usually about ten o'clock, and I'm getting ready for bed anyway, so. Uh, so it's not 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 all lost. Um, okay, so we'll we'll move on from spring training. Um, and the next thing we're uh, the next thing we're going to talk about, or next person we're going to hear from, we're going to hear from Leon. And now Leon is the reason that this group ever got together. Um, uh, uh, he um, he was the original founder of the 
may she rest in peace, Dodgers UK uh, Twitter account, before we were wrongfully uh, thrown into Twitter jail. Um, <laughs> but, but, you know, because we won the World Series, I don't mind. I feel like maybe the account was holding us back. Um, but Leon was the original, um, the brains behind that, that Twitter account, the reason that we all talk to each other and the reason that we're able to do things. So I thought it was only right to ask Leon to come on and talk a little bit about, uh, about his journey as a Dodgers fan. So over to you, Leon. Yeah, um, well, I mean, I think a starting point for, was, was Channel 5 uh, um, and them showing baseball in the UK. Um, I was still at school. I was still quite young when it first started, which I think was about 1996, if I remember rightly. Um, and you'd have the American sports on very late at night after a, sort of a special David Duchovny show, which I think a lot of people would remember, which was a bit sort of interesting, not like the X-Files. Um, so you'd say you'd watch that and then you'd watch the American sports. So, you know, it started with MLS um, because obviously everyone had heard about the penalty shootouts being taken from the halfway line. You wanted to see what the hell that was all about because that's not the football that we know. Um, and then um, baseball was on and that was always a, sort of a curiosity. Um, the team I particularly remember from Channel 5 days is, is the Mariners. So you had, you know, Griffey, uh, Randy Johnson, those sort of names sort of stuck out. Um, and then I sort of stopped watching it for a bit sort of got into football big time. So I was going to football matches home and away. Um, but still had this sort of, you know, this love of America and American culture. It was always on, you know, I was visiting New York quite a lot, but never actually got to a baseball game out there. Um, and then one day, um, I was, at, I was at, this is where it gets a bit weird. I was in a Battersea, went to a car boot sale and saw a baseball shirt. I was like, that looks really nice and, and purchased it with the intention of, of selling it and making a bit of money off it. Um, cost me a fiver as the guy handed it over. He goes, it's a Jackie Robinson jersey. And, and that meant absolutely nothing to me uh, at the time I purchased it. Um, got home and I was like, yeah, I'm, gonna, I'm not going gonna, gonna to keep this. I quite like it. You know, I'll look pretty cool in this for a change uh, instead of wearing a football shirt. Um, and then out of curiosity, sort of looked up Brooklyn, Brooklyn baseball. Obviously, that leads into uh, Los Angeles baseball. Uh, read a bit about the story of Jackie Robinson, which sort of resonated a bit with me. Um, you know, it's such a, an interesting story you know, about how he came into the game, how he changed everything. And, you know, he's, he's got a lasting legacy to this day. Um, and then sort of moved on from there, spent an afternoon sort of looking up Los Angeles Dodgers and, and, and fell into a, a YouTube trap of, of watching Dodger films, um, which I'm sure you guys probably have come across where it was a guy called Bobby Crosby who's filming himself with a handheld camcorder um, catching baseballs in the stand. And it just looked, you know, I was like, you know, this this is amazing. The sky and the stadium looked in, in, insane. You had, a, you know, a view from the crowd of the sport, which was fairly unique, really. I think, you know, obviously things have moved on a little bit and a lot more people have latched onto that. Um, but yeah, sort of fell in love with it from that point um, and got a subscription to MLB TV and then started watching it almost religiously. Uh, and as I say, sort of that played into the postseason and that, that series against the Mets where we didn't cover third base and... Daniel Murphy sort of tormented everyone that year. Um, so that, that, that was my first proper experience of the Dodgers um, and first experience of that playoff heartache, which, uh, which I think everyone from LA has been feeding for a lot longer than I have. Yeah, first of many, no, no doubt. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, brilliant. So have, have you got a, have you got a favourite Dodger of, of all time? One that you one that you hold above the others? It's, I mean, for me, it's Kershaw. He's obviously been the, the, the you know, the face of the, the franchise, uh, obviously from the time that I've started watching him. And before that, he was obviously even better uh, in, in the years before I started watching it, you know, a league MVP, um, multiple Cy Youngs. Uh, and I say he's just a good guy as well. Um, his intensity is something else. 
Um, so he, he's my guy. Obviously, Puig was was there in the early days as well. Loved again, loved the intensity of, of, of Puig. And then we've been so lucky since then in that we've had so many good players come up. The you know uh, the Seegers, the Bellingers, um, and then you've got the under radar guys like Chris Taylor, CT3, who's just to me an absolute legend. Um, Kike, you know, Jock, all those guys, and it was it was so good to see them, you know, finally getting that World Series after everything that they've been through uh, as a Dodger. I think one of the things that resonates, uh, well, maybe resonates is the wrong word, but one of the things that, that I really like about baseball, so they, they, they spend so much time together, 162-game regular season, um, and you really see, the, you can see the friendships on the screen, uh, you know, coming, coming through, just from the camera panning the dugout. You know, you can see how everyone, you know, so players that, that, that have gone in recent years uh, or in the last few months, I suppose, Kike and Jock, and how much they meant to everybody else. On paper, statistically, Maybe they, you know, maybe they didn't uh, bring what, what, or, or they didn't bring any more than what people who earn less than them um, might bring. But they seem to just bring a certain amount of joy and support to each other, and that's something that you see that you see right through. You see it from Kershaw. Uh, have you seen the Justin Turner video uh, the other day where he's phoned up everyone, done, done a prank call, and, and yeah, you know, and I think those those reactions were very, uh, you know, they. Uh, the extended video that, that you know you, you saw the genuine reactions from it, not just the cut down version, and and no one thought he was a fool for doing that. Everyone just everyone just found it funny, or they or they didn't get it in in <laughs> joking. Uh, <laughs> um, but um, but I just that's one of that's one of the things that, that I admire most, and one of the things that that attracted that attracted me was was seeing those that relationship between the players. Is that the same for anybody else? Yeah, definitely. I, I think I feel like more attached to. The Dodgers players than I am uh, like Derby, like who I followed since I was like five years old, and I live well twenty minutes away from most of those lads, and I have no connection with them at all. Yeah, Dodgers who are five thousand miles away, I have. I feel like I'm connected to every, even though they don't even know I exist. I feel properly connected to everyone in that clubhouse. It's it's a weird thing that baseball does. I don't know. I feel like that's a campaign we should run on this podcast. We should get them to acknowledge that you exist in, in some way. You know, well, Bruce Dodd uh, did like a tweet once, so he might know I exist. Yeah, we could probably do it. We could probably do a feature on uh, on our most coveted likes of tweets. I've had I've had uh, Justin Turner before now, and I think I'm followed by Dennis Santana. Um, <laughs> don't know if anybody else has got. A, I don't know if anybody else has got any got any tweets that uh, any likes that they're particularly fond of. We had uh, Oral Hershiser liked some of our tweets. Um, and replied to a couple uh, on the old Dodgers account, which was sentenced to death by uh, Twitter. Um, we had Dennis, Dennis Santana on there as well. Um, so, we, yeah, unfortunately, we lost those. So, if, if those guys ever do listen, give us a follow back and uh, we'll give you some yeah, of 6,000 miles away. <laughs> yeah, get, uh, Joe Davis replies to quite a lot if you ever, if you tag him in things. Generally, where you're praising him for being really good. Like, I think <laughs> I, must have, I must have tweeted about three times like about how worried I was when Vince Gully left. And, but it's great because we've got Joe Davis. Um, and, uh, and and every uh, and every time he sort of goes, oh, thanks, that means so much. So whenever I'm feeling lonely, I just talk to Joe. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I guess that's something else that we can touch on from from this side of the Atlantic as well, is, is how lucky we are to have those two guys in the booth as well. And, and you know, the, the backup guys, Rick Mundane and, and Tim Neveritz as well, um, in that they are our storytellers um, and, and they give us that connection to, you know, the older stuff that we weren't around for. Mm. Uh, obviously, you know, Oral was there winning in, in 1988 and, and it's so 
good to be able to coming off the back of such a legend in Vin Scully to have such a strong sort of broadcasting team as well. Yeah, yeah so really I, connects us with the club um, from from my point of view. Yeah, because I or like I sort of consider him one of my favourite players. Yeah, I've never actually watched him apart from on YouTube. <laughs> it's it's a weird weird thing. Yeah, well, I think what up, up until very recently, my favourite ever moment uh, as a Dodger was was Kurt Gibson's home run, and I I definitely wasn't paying any interest in the Dodgers, uh, you know, at that time. You know, it's just it, it just even watching the replays back, you, you just you know, it, it still it still yeah. means so much. Um, my favourite Oral Hershiser story is how instrumentally he is in the uh, Bobby Cox fake moustache um, uh, scandal from uh, from, <laughs> when, from when they were both at the Mets. Have you have you heard that one? Bobby, yeah, yeah, Bobby Valentine. Bobby Valentine. Bobby, Bobby Valentine. Sorry, yeah, Bobby Valentine. Um, yeah, so yeah, that, that, that that's great. Oral Hergeiser basically convinced him to go and put a fake tash on and come back out of the dugout because they need him. Um, and then as soon as he started to get be suspected, he just left him, <laughs> just left him for dead. Uh, just you know, let, just let him burn. So yeah, love that. Uh, I listened to their podcast a lot last year when we were locked down as well. Uh, Joe and Oral started a, a podcast, which was great. I really felt it kept. Uh, me as a fan connected uh, mm, yeah. to what was happening. He had a he had a different player on, uh, different player on every week. Um, and actually, again, one of my favourite episodes was quite early on when Oral Hershiser just let rip on the Astros. Um, you know, it was it you know it was it was a brutal you know it was a brutal damning of of, of what had gone on uh, in in 2017, which which we won't talk about today, but I'm sure we might come back to uh, at some point in the future. So, um, so anyway, uh, moving on, I suppose we'll move on to, uh, I guess we'll, we'll, we'll relive the dream a little bit. And this might be old news to some listeners out there, especially those uh, that don't uh, bleed blue in the same way that we do. Um, but the LA Dodgers are currently the World Series champions, and I will never get sick of saying that. Uh, so on our first ever episode, it would be remiss of us not to revisit uh, that part of last season specifically the off-season. So, um, Adam, can you remember the moment that Julio Urias um, struck out Willie Adames to bring the Commissioner's Trophy back to LA? Um, what were you doing and how did you feel in that moment? I think we were all talking to each other, weren't we? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we was. Um, I normally watch games in bed because I'm too lazy to go downstairs to the telly and put it out, so I watch it on my iPad. But for the last two innings, I actually got up and watched it. Watched it downstairs. Um, but then, like, it was celebrating, but try not to make any noise because it was, well, what would it be? It was about half five in the morning or something like that. And um, my wife is not good when she gets woken up early, so it was just celebrating without making any noise. So she didn't shout at me. There were definitely some silent, some silent fist pumps going on, in, in, uh, in uh, probably some silent tears as well going on. Oh, going yeah, on in definitely flat. silent so, tears. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, uh, Ian, there were a few scary moments during the uh, during the postseason. Um, was there a time when you thought that we might have been done for, that the luck was running against us, that, or maybe that we'd left left ourselves too much to do? Um, sorry, if we're talking about the World Series, I should should get my Kershaw World Series bobblehead out and just hold that sort of just there just for this bit. Um, I Not that I thought we were done. I thought if we didn't win it in game six, I was worried that 
sort of mental blocks and stuff um I could see us then losing game seven as well despite it being alternate wins up until then I just just sort of thought that the the previous what three four years of playoff heartache I could just see it going horribly wrong in a game seven um so not so there wasn't a moment I thought god we're out of it it was just I thought it was more a case of if we don't win this one I'm going to start getting quite worried then yeah, I think for me, um, I was, uh, I think, probably the lowest point. It's difficult, actually, because I think that the worst I felt was after was after game four of the World Series, um, which was which was the multiple error. I, I can't even remember the guy's name, but because he, you know, not meaning no respect, disrespect to the Padres nation, they didn't know his name either until he did that. Um, and, you know, he pops up, I think he's 0 for 20. He's not had a hit in, he's not had a hit for forever. Um, you know, they don't even give him at bats, but they but they put him in to do something, and he, he, he you know, he he bloops something in just beyond. I think it was Justin Turner who was covering the, you know, the, the wrong side of of second base. Uh, Taylor boots it, um, then he throw, you know, and then the throw to the, the throw from Muncy wasn't perfect, and Will Smith misses it, and Randy Rosarena's falling everywhere, stumbling, and all of a sudden. You know, we've, we've gone from two outs. I forget the score, but we were up by one run. Um, we needed one more out. Jansen had two strikes on on, on the hitter whose name we can't re- I can't remember. Um, Phillips, I think it was. That's the one. Um, and and we and we lost the game. It you know, and, and I just absolutely insane what was going on in in that moment. It was just unreal. It was like everything that could go wrong has gone wrong, and then you know, just as you say. Rose Arena sort of scrambling, crawling around, you know, between third and, and home was just like, all right, yeah, we, we're still going to get him. And then you see Kenley's not backing up properly. The ball's hit the umpire anyway. Just everything that could go wrong in that moment went wrong. And it, I think for me, that was the point where I was like, perhaps we're not going to get this World Series. Um, it was, yeah, just utter, utter, I was distraught. That was as bad as sort of, you know, any of the, the 2017 losses for me. Um, yeah, it was it was a tough tough pill to swallow for for sure. I think um, the Braves gave us a bit of a run as well, didn't they? Let's let's not forget the Braves, you know, um, in the uh, in the NLCS. Um, I think we were three one down mm. and had to had to win three in a row to had to win three in a row to win it. Um, Never felt like we were ever out of it against the Braves though, because we could have won every one of them games. It was hmm. it was a weird series that we were three one down, but. I never ever thought we were going to lose that series at one point. Although I felt like that against the Nationals the year before, and well, that didn't go well either. So, yeah, that went that went running up, that went wrong in a hurry that game. But I think if we were if we were to, if we were to, we definitely need to give it it's a full segment if we were to talk about the most painful playoff losses. Um, so we'll uh, uh, we'll save that one for another day, perhaps. But. Um, uh, what about um, I forget who I'm up to, so I'll just I'll just I'll just go to Ian. So um, uh, aside from the uh, from the Uriah strikeout, have you got any favourite moments uh, from from that postseason? I think the Astros getting beaten. There was part of me wanted. Um, I know that's not not us, but um, there was part of me wanted to go head to head in the World Series against them. But then when they lost, it was like, yeah, you kind of <laughs> to be blunt. Um, it's, it's, and, and, and I'm not sure that feeling is ever going to grow old. Um, so, um, yeah, that I know that's p- 
petty and bitter and all the rest of it, but that that felt good. Um, I thought I thought some of the some of Bueller's games. I mean, he's such a big a big game player. He just steps up every time, and 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 watching him. Um, but yeah, um, no, not beyond the last strikeout, if I'm honest, because that's the bit that sticks in my mind. Because that's. Oh. That's all that I mean. I I must have rewatched Game Six, God knows how many times since then, and and I regularly think oh, I'll sit down. You know, I've got a couple of hours or whatever. I'll, I'll I'll sit and watch it, and within sort of ten minutes, I've literally just fast forwarded to the to the final couple of strikeouts, and I'll just watch those on loop for sort of twenty minutes or so. So, I think for me, when when Mookie hit his home run, that was when it sort of you know, Urias uh, had come in and. and you know the Rays hadn't done anything from it on him against him previously. Um, once that home run, you know you saw it hit the, the back scoreboard. You're like, this is it. This this is our year finally. Uh, yeah, the, the elation he probably... rounded first as well, wasn't it? You know, he, yeah. he just he just roared, didn't he? Yeah, that was it. I mean, you, you you've got those brilliant slow mo replays of the you know people jumping over the bench and everything in celebration. Um, and you, I think it, was, it, it kind of it felt to me like it probably had the same effect on the Rays players as well because a couple of those at bats they went down looking. Um, so maybe they felt the same that we felt in you know in reverse. We felt it was this was a yeah they they knew it was gone at that point. And and perhaps more than any other sport, baseball, you you do get the sense across the whole team the vibes when they think that's it it's all over because of the dugout you know if, in most of the sports where it's both teams are on the pitch at the same time and you can't really you know the final goal a goal goes in or whatever you don't really see it but but when you see somebody hit a home run and and or or, or whatever you know you and you can see them on the dugouts and so it, it just you yeah mentally they were they were gone at that point yeah i think yeah. probably mentally they were gone after Snowball's pulled to be honest you could see just from his reaction, yeah. the, the face the, the dugout's going to see him coming, you know, looking coming off looking sad, and you know he was pitching so well against we weren't getting near him. You know, I think there was a, a swing from Justin Turner, which is the worst swing I've, I've, I've seen him taking. <laughs> time as a dodge, it was awful. He had us in nuts, but from that that moment, as soon as you know Snell was pulled, that's when it started building up. I think we started getting excited on our mm. WhatsApp chat, chat as well. Yeah, um, and it, it, it turned around very fast from that moment, and there was just you know you could feel the enthusiasm, and uh, you know as you say from the benches, you, you know MLB do they do do a great job with the uh, the media stuff. Um, so you, as you say, you, you know you've seen all the reactions of everyone, and everyone's pumped now, and, and you could just feel it. The game had turned, and and it was happening. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, I think there was yeah, there was there was so many other. Um, uh, moments across the postseason, you know, I'll, I'll throw a few out there uh, and maybe ask Adam to uh, to pick his favourite from the list. So there was um, there was Will Smith v Will Smith against the Braves, um, which of course ended with with our Will Smith, the the, the Fresh Prince. Um, it, uh, it, uh, he he goes he goes yard, and uh, uh, that was you know that that was great because I think it was was it the first time. Uh, first time in the postseason that two players of the same name had, had, had faced each other, and it could have gone any any number of ways that would not have really mattered. You know, it, it could have ground out to shortstop. He could have flown out to left. He could have hit a single up the middle, and no one would have really remembered it. But of course, it was an all or nothing, um, and of course, it was it was it was a home run, and that that was that was that was great. Um, 
Then we've got the now the, the Gratterall hat flip and the Cody Bellinger robbery of Tatis. They were the same play. Um, so that was a that was a that was a big play. Uh, there was a couple of uh, Bellinger, uh, a couple of uh, Mookie, Mookie Betts catches out in right field uh, up against the wall. Um, there was the Mookie Betts uh, double play. Uh, where he charged the ball and and quite unorthodox caught it on caught it on the run to the side, uh, managed to get up and throw to home. And um, if you remember, Marcelo Zuna had set off too early, um, and they were able to get that get him out on on appeal. Uh, a number of big plays. If you know uh, one of those, perhaps Adam or anything else you can think of that that you that you uh, that you want to think about as, as a favourite. Um. I'm a big fan of the Gratterall glove flip. That I could just watch that over and over again on repeat. It was that's just great viewing. Um, what else was there? I'm a big fan of stolen bases as well. So when Mookie won tacos for everyone in America, I really love that. That was, and he knew it as well. The way he literally celebrated when he he reached second base, I was like, that man knows he's won some tacos for some people. Love a bit of stolen base. He just seemed on a different level to everybody else, you know. Um, yeah. He just seemed to be. I mean, maybe it's because he's, you know, he'd been there and he'd done it all before with the Red Sox. Um, but he just seemed to be operating on a, in a different stratosphere um, during. during I mean, that. every time he got on base, he seemed to just score a run. It was. It just. It's just base running was great, and I think they did a double steal him and um, Seager. Yeah, I think in that first game as well. It was just all all out. Everything he does on the bases, I could just watch him all day. He's so good to watch. If you come, if you so, he's just unreal. I mean, I knew he was good, but I, I, to be honest, I don't watch a lot of American League or, or Red Sox baseball. Um, so to see him perform day in day out at such a high level was just an absolute, you know, an absolute mm. pleasure. Uh, and long may it continue. Mm. If you compare his clear desire and willingness to hustle with somebody else who said that they weren't that interested in hustling who's now gone a little bit further south down the coast um you know that's the kind of mindset you want in a team yeah i think doesn't he also owe his salary uh, to someone i'm sure that's uh yes he does <laughs> uh yeah i mean yeah, it's absolutely. I mean, so Mookie Betts. I mean, uh, for anyone listening who who doesn't know, I, I've I've played the game for a long time. Uh, not the, not anywhere near the same standard as, as Mookie Betts, or or even the better players in this country, to be honest. But what Mookie Betts has done, just to come back to the point on base running, it's really um, as a as a player and now coach, um, it's really um, re uh, reignited my interest in base running as as a part of the game. Because seeing what he does, uh, the discipline that he does it with, the decisions that he makes, it makes you realise how important that is. And it's not all about home runs. It's not all about um, hitting, um, you know, at the, at the level I play at, the best hitters probably hit 500, um, which gives you gives you an indication of, of, of the level I play at. Um, but, um, but yeah, just seeing the base running and I've spent, there's been a lot of opportunity um, to, to take in um, to take in words from from coaches across the across the world uh, throughout lockdown. People have been very generous in sharing their time, um, and, and the bits that I've been really 
fascinated by have been base running and it's and it's because Mookie Betts has inspired me um that that is a discipline that I need to be teaching um much much in much more detail uh than I have done in the past so yeah that's that's my two cents on uh, on that um okay so we are getting towards the end of the show now uh, I don't want to wrap this up um uh, without giving everybody a um a chance to make a fool of themselves. Um, so we're going to do two things, okay? We're going to, I'm going to, uh, I suppose I was supposed to put everyone's name into a hat and then draw it out so that it would be fair. Um, but I think we're, seniority has been a theme throughout. Um, so Ian, pick a player that you are most excited about uh, about seeing in Dodger Blue this, uh, this season um, and then follow it up with how many wins you think the Dodgers are going to make. Uh, Dodgers are going to uh, get throughout the regular season. Uh, okay, player I'll go with is Bueller because I, I just I was lucky enough to see him a few years ago in the flesh, out pitching out in LA. I just think his energy and I think he's he's going to be a star for the for years and years to come. And I've already mentioned he's, I just love the fact he's such a he seems to have the temperament for the big game. So so Bueller is the player, and I'll go with 106 wins. 106. Wow. Do you reckon Bueller's in with a chance of the Cy Young this year? If he can stay fit, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Awesome. Okay, um, Leon? Uh, I'm going to go with Gavin Lux, um, who's a guy that, you know, again, again, going back to the WhatsApp chat, we were very excited by his uh, arrival in 2019. Started, obviously had a, a sort of tough year last year um, for reasons unknown, which I think might have been related to sort of COVID. Um, but he has looked really good in, in spring. Um, probably going to be an, an everyday starter as well with obviously KK and, and you know, the spot at second base. Um, so yeah, Gavin looks for me. Um, and in terms of wins, I'm going to go with 101. 101 for Leon and Gavin looks as his one to watch. Okay. Adam. Right. I'm going to go for Corey Seager. I think he will win the MVP this year. Uh, the If, he stays fit. I think he'll he'll walk it. I think MVP wise. Uh, we almost don't want him to, um, just because uh, just because it's going to make it really hard to re-sign him <laughs> uh, if he if he does that. But but yeah, I completely agree. I'll let you finish off in a second. But yeah, Corey Corey Seager would have been my pick if if you hadn't have, have taken it ahead of me. So please carry on. Uh, yeah, well, it was either going to be him or Mookie, but I think. Moogie had his year last year. This year, it was all about the Seager. Uh, wins, I reckon. Let's go positive. Let's go 110. 110, wow. Uh, okay, well, I guess that brings it over to me. Um, with Seager gone, um, I, feel like Corey, I feel like Cody Bellinger uh, tends to go really hot, a little bit cold. Really hot, a little bit cold. He's done four years, so he's had really hot. Uh, and then he's gone cold. He's then won the MVP. Um, so he's won the Rookie of the Year. He's won the MVP. Uh, and then he was a little bit cold uh, last year. Um, although he came up with some big moments for us. Um, the the home run strut right before he dislocated his shoulder um, was was one of the best things I've seen in ages. I just I, I leapt out of my le- leapt off my sofa in that moment. It was it was phenomenal. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go for Cody and um, Cody Bellinger. Uh, I think I think he's. Uh, I think defensively he's he's in with a shout of a golden glove, um, and that's even before you consider uh, you you consider his offensive 
uh, attributes as well. You know, he's he's so athletic. Um, he can hit the ball for power. Um, I, I don't think he'll win a batting title. Um, I know he started off 2019 phenomenally and was hitting like 400 for the first couple of months. Um, but I don't think that's something that's going to be in his locker long term. Um, but I can see him hitting 40 home runs and being in the mix for uh, for, for the MVP race again. Um, and I, it'd be really interesting uh, if we have we, we we could quite conceivably have three players in the in in the MVP race. You know, in in Betts, Seager, uh, and Bellinger, uh, and that'd just be great if they're all sort of competing with each other. Um, one, two, and four in the lineup. Um, that'd be that'd be a nice nice place to, a nice place to be. So yeah, so that's 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 my pick. Uh, wins wise, uh, I feel like I'm going to be. I mean, I, I I could play it safe, relatively safe, and I could just say a hundred and then occupy every space below that. <laughs> um, and, uh, but I'm going to be slightly more fair than that, only slightly, because I actually I think ninety seven. Um, I think ninety seven. I think. Um, I think I, I think our form at the moment has caused me enough concern so that we might start a little bit slower uh, than we than, than we have done in the past. Um, but I just think that injuries won't affect us uh, to the same way that they will affect other teams um, with our with our depth everywhere. So I still think we'll win the division, and I think we'll win the division by maybe um, eight eight to ten games. So I'm going to go with so I'm going to go with with ninety seven. Um, so. Hope that's not the conservative one of the uh, of the pod. Yeah, no, I don't call me conservative. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so I think, I think yeah. we'll, we'll put we'll put Scott down for 120 in his absence. Yeah. Okay. Sure. We'll put Scott down. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, who's going to be his one to watch? Matt Beatty. That's who we picked last year. It was, wasn't it? It was yeah. Matt Beatty. Yeah. Wasn't it? yeah. He definitely would have said that anyway, so I'm sure he won't mind if he, if, he, if he hears that back on the pod- when he hears that back on the podcast. He's definitely going to listen, even if nobody else does. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, okay, so I guess I guess the rule is uh, whoever's furthest away gets the gets the beers in the next time we're able to meet up at the end of the season. Um, that seems fair in about five that's years. Good. I mean, it's let's let's be realistic that it won't be the only beers we have that night. Um, so it won't matter, but yeah. <laughs> um, so that is it from everybody at the Dodging Sleep uh, podcast team. Uh, if you've enjoyed this, maybe we'll do it again sometime, but we won't know unless you let us know. So please do subscribe to this podcast wherever you have listened to it and leave us a little review, good or bad. We want to hear everything, uh, everything that you've got to say. Thanks so much for listening. Goodbye. Bye. Goodbye. <laughs>